Welcome to Mornings with Jesus. This is a live, interactive Bible study where we can connect with Christ and community daily and deeply. Join us every weekday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time as we read a chapter of the Bible, pray, and share our reflections. Whether you are joining live or on the replay, I know God will meet you here. I also want to invite you to the Faith Mamas Tribe app. This is a free app where women of faith can connect, be encouraged, and have their faith strengthened. It's the online social space I know you've been looking for. So make sure to do three things before we start. One, subscribe to this channel. Two, share this with a friend. And three, download the app. Trust me, you'll be glad you did. Now let's dive in today's Mornings with Jesus. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Mornings with Jesus. I am so excited that you all are here, whether you are live on YouTube, live in the app, or listening to this on a replay on Spotify or Apple Podcast. I'm just excited that you are here to study the Bible alongside of us. And today we are going to jump into Joshua chapter 20. But before we do, I want to say good morning to some of my friends that I see here live this morning. And if this is your first time here, hello, my name is Dominique Young, and I'm excited to dig into the scriptures with you this morning. Uh, But I want to say good morning to my friends. Here we go. Good morning, Joanne. Good morning, Bevy. Good morning, Lilith. Good morning, Celia. Good morning, Brickell. Good morning, Shanda. Good morning, Audrey. Good morning, Bridget. Good morning, Ellen. Good morning, uh, Natisha. Good morning. Wait, I think it's Nisha because I saw that on the live. It's just said the T always messes people up. Let me let me know in the comments if I'm right. Good morning, Nisha. I believe. Good morning, CJ. Good morning, Brandy. Good morning, Donita. Good morning, Barb. Good morning, April. Good day, Anastasia. Good morning, Donna Lanita. So excited to see you. Nisha said, yes. Okay, I remembered. I was like, oh, wait, oh, I know this. (laughs) Amen. Good morning, good morning. So excited to see you guys today. Today, we're going to be jumping into Joshua 20. But before we do, you know how we like to do it. Let's start our time off with a little bit of gratitude. What are you grateful to God for this morning? What are you grateful to God for today? Good morning, Tamika. So glad to see you. Good morning, Heather. Bevy says, I'm grateful to God for peace of mind and you, my sisters. And we are grateful for you as well, Bevy. Brandy says, I'm grateful for God's patience and mercy. Hallelujah. Come on. God's patience and mercy. I'm grateful for each and every one of you guys. I am grateful for all that God is doing here in the Faith Mamas tribe and watching you guys love on each other in the app has been absolutely beautiful to see. So I'm just grateful to be able to be a witness of what God is doing um, in this community and in this tribe. And and I'm grateful, y'all, that this tribe is comprised of women of all different nationalities, women of all different denominations, women of all different ages, Um, I love that races. I love that. It's like, it's so beautiful to see. So I'm just so grateful to be able to witness it and see what God is doing. Amen. 
Lilith says, I am grateful to God for him being God. Come on. Hallelujah. Can't nobody do it better than him. I know that's right. Audrey says, I'm so grateful for God shielding me from the enemy when he thought he was going to win. Come on. Won't he do it? Nisha says, I'm grateful to God for waking me up to join in with you ladies today. And I'm grateful to see you. And I'm so grateful that I remember the T is silent. Silent T, Anisha. I love it. I love it. Margaret says, thank you, Lord, for one more day. Amen. Heather says, I'm grateful for new mercies. Hallelujah. Donita says, I'm grateful to God for prayer and the peace that comes with tapping into the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jessica says, good morning, warriors. Good morning, sis. Grateful to be alive, up and ready for the word. Amen. Hallelujah. Brickell says, I am grateful that I can pray about anything and my daddy cares about it all, even the smallest details. Yes, he does. Good morning, Latrice. So glad to see you. Tamika says, grateful to God for rest. Amen. Anastasia says, grateful to join in today. And we are grateful to see you, sis. Grateful to see you. Barb says, I'm grateful. Um, Wait, she said, I'm grateful that I stopped. And said in something, I'm waiting for the rest of that to come in. So I'm going to see it in a minute. Shanda says, I'm grateful that God sends what we need right when we need it. My son had a huge meltdown at therapy yesterday and brought a lady to us to help. And he brought a lady to us and he brought a lady to help calm him down and help get him to his PT session. That is awesome. I love that when God does that. Amen. Barb says, I'm grateful that I stop and I'm able to stop and seek understanding before responding. There we go. That's good. Amen. Amen. Latrice says, grateful for God getting me up to. Hallelujah. We're grateful you're here. We're grateful you're here. Amen. Ms. Margaret says, thank you, Lord, for one more day. Mm, hallelujah. Ellen says, thankful to be learning to trust God's perspective over all others. Trust God's perspective over all others. Roma says, good morning. Grateful that God sits up high and looks down low. So I know that I'm always covered. Amen. Hallelujah. Barb says, uh, to be able to stop and seek understanding. Amen. Good morning, Natalia. So glad to see you. Joanne says, I'm grateful for this tribe and another opportunity to study God's word. I'm grateful too. Bridget says, I'm grateful for my very first mornings with Jesus at 6 a.m. Come on, 6 a.m. crew. To God be the glory. Amen. Erica says, whoo, barely made it. I'm grateful. Hallelujah. You made it, sis. You made it. We're glad you're here. Amen. We're glad you are here. I'm glad to see new sisters. I'm glad to see what God is doing. And I just want us to keep our sisters in prayer that may be going through um, a lot of different things and haven't been able to make it for a while. So keep Emma in your prayers. Keep Patrice in your prayers. Keep keep Dr. Marina in your prayers. Um, let's keep these ladies in our in our prayers. I know that Allison's been getting some rest and um, she's been traveling a lot. So make sure you keep her in your prayers. Um, if I'm missing any names, please put them in the comments. If you haven't seen a particular name, keep them in your prayers. Keep Sherrod Lynn in your prayers. Um, so just some names that I'm thinking to keep in our prayers. And I'm so grateful for our entire this entire tribe and what God has just been doing. Mandy says, glad to be here. Been too long. We're so glad to see you, Mandy. Woohoo. Heather says, grateful for the word and the discipline and love in it. 
Come on. Hallelujah. Lenita. Okay. Donita says, keep Lenita in your prayers. Praise God. Jessica says, keep Mary in your prayers. Amen. I love this. So, don't y'all love it? Like people's names pop up to us so that we can make sure that we keep them in our prayers. Please do keep Heidi in your prayers. Um, so if you have a prayer journal, just be writing these names down, scribble them down. And we're just going to keep you guys in your, our prayers. And you guys are probably watching us on the replay. Just know that we are praying for you. Amen. We are praying for you. Keep Nitty in your prayers. Yes, yeah, you got a new job location. So please keep her in your prayers as she um, transitions through all of that. Amen. All right, y'all, there's so much to be grateful for. I'm grateful to be able to jump into the scriptures with you guys. I'm grateful to be able, can you believe it, Joshua? We've we're almost at the end of Joshua. If this is your first time jumping in with us, that's awesome. You don't have to feel like you have to catch up or anything like that. But I'm just excited that like, yo, I can't believe it. We are almost there. This is amazing. This is amazing. Amen. T. Horton says, I'm grateful for God and his word. Hallelujah. Amen. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm grateful to be able to study it with community because it's a lot of fun. Like it's a lot of fun to be able to study it with sisters that desire to, to, to dig into the scriptures. Like it's a lot of fun. I'll be honest. It's really, and it's out. It is a lot of fun to not even come with a sermon. Like you, you guys know that I go different places and I teach scripture and things like that, but it's fun to just show up and see what God is going to do. Like that is just, ah, like I get so excited about this. Bella's is grateful to wake up and be here with you amazing ladies. I'm grateful too. Like I'm telling y'all, this is like, I get up excited about this. Now, sometimes I have to roll out the bed because it's so early, but you know, but then once I get up, I'm like, oh, okay, come on. It's time to study the scriptures with my sisters. I get really excited about it. Latrice says, yes, it is. Come on. It's so cool to study in community. So y'all keep shouting out God. Keep letting him know that you are grateful for him. If you're watching on the replay, type it in the comments. Let him know that you're grateful. Let the world know that God is good, right? Let everybody know that God is good. Just type it in, shout it out. I'm getting ready to pray us in, but don't let me stop your praise. Don't let me stop your praise. But I want to go ahead and pray us in as we prepare to jump into Joshua chapter 20. Amen. Brandy says, studying the Bible with you ladies definitely reveals much more than what I see on my own. And you know the beautiful thing? That's how we are designed. We are designed to come together in community. That's why they did that so much in the book of Acts, like to come together in community and to, to see what the others can't see. So we get a fuller picture of God. It's absolutely amazing. All right, y'all. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, so much for who you are. We thank you for what you're showing us, what you've been revealing to us through your scriptures, Lord God. We thank you, God, for how you've been helping us to see you. And Lord, we ask that as we go into Joshua chapter 20 today, that you would help us to truly see you even clearer than we had before. Lord, we pray that you would lead us and you would guide us and you would show us what it is that you want us to see this morning. Lord, we pray that you would help us to deepen our relationship with you. And God, we just we just love you. And we say where you lead, we will follow. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 
Amen. Amen. If this is your first time reading the scriptures with us, we're going to read this chapter two times through. The first time, feel free to get the story, the image in your head, get a little picture in your mind of what's going on. The second time, take out your pens, your highlighters, highlight key words, and write in the margins. I'm going to be reading from the CSB translation, but you can feel free to read from whatever translation you have available to you. All right, here we go. Joshua chapter 20, Joshua chapter 20. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, tell the Israelites, select your cities of refuge as I instructed you through Moses, so that a person who kills someone unintentionally or accidentally may flee there. These will be your refuge from the avenger of blood. When someone flees to one of these cities, stands at the entrance of the city gate, and states his case before the elders of that city, they are to bring him into the city and give him a place to live among them. And if the avenger of blood pursues him, they must not hand the one who committed manslaughter over to him, for he killed his neighbor accidentally and did not hate him beforehand. He is to stay in that city until he stands trial before the assembly and until the death of the high priest serving at that time. Then the one who committed manslaughter may return home to his own city from which he fled. So they designated Kadesh in the hill country of Nephtali in Galilee, Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, and Kerath Arba, that is Hebron, in the hill country of Judah. Across the Jordan, east of Jericho, they selected Bezer on the wilderness plateau from Reuben's tribe, Ramoth in Gilead from Gad's tribe, and Golan in Bashan from Manasseh's tribe. These are the cities appointed for all the Israelites and the aliens residing among them, so that anyone who kills a person unintentionally may flee there and not die at the hands of the avenger of blood until he stands before the assembly. All right, let's read this chapter one more time. This time, take out your pens, your highlighters. Feel free to take notes in the margin. Here we go. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, tell the Israelites, select your cities of refuge as I instructed you through Moses, so that a person who kills someone unintentionally or accidentally may flee there. These will be your refuge from the avenger of blood. When someone flees to one of these cities, stands at the entrance of the city gate and states his case before the elders of that city, they are to bring him into the city and give him a place to live among them. And if the avengers of blood pursues him, they must not hand the one who committed manslaughter over to him, for he killed his neighbor accidentally and did not hate him beforehand. He is to stay in that city until he stands trial before the assembly and until the death of the high priest serving at that time. Then the one who committed manslaughter may return home to his own city from which he fled. So they designated Kadesh in the hill country of Nephtali in Galilee, Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, 
and Karath Arba, that is Hebron, in the hill country of Judah. Across the Jordan, east of Jericho, they selected Bezer on the wilderness plateau from Reuben's tribe, Ramoth in Gilead from Gad's tribe, and Golan in Bashan from Manasseh's tribe. These are the cities appointed for all the Israelites and the aliens residing among them, so that anyone who kills a person unintentionally may flee there and not die at the hand of the avenger of blood until he stands before the assembly. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, so much for the opportunity to read this chapter today. And Lord, we pray that as we move into a time of personal reflection and corporate reflection, that you would guide our reflection time, that you would show us you, that you would direct our study, that you would cause certain words to just jump out of the page at us, Lord God, that you would bring clarity. And Lord, most of all, that you would show us yourself. Our desire is to know you better than we knew you before. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor and we give you all the praise. And we ask you to have your way in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's move into a time of personal reflection. And then we'll come back for a time of corporate reflection on Joshua chapter 20. Here we go. All right, y'all, this was a short chapter, but there's a lot here. So before we jump into corporate reflection, I just want to give a little background, um, a little bit of background on these cities of refuge. So these cities were actually Levitical cities. And what do I mean by that? So you remember how the Levitical priests don't have land of their own? Well, they're going to get certain cities within, um, within the areas, within the other tribes. And we're going to see that in chapter 21, but also these cities of refuge was also manned and lived in by the Levitical priests. So when it says that the people living there are not to hand over the person over to um, over to the avenger of blood, the people that live there and that take care of this are the Levitical priests in their families. So that is a really cool thing about the cities of refuge. And then there is also, if you look, there is also a clear tie between Christ and these cities and how God does things with Christ and these cities. And we'll get more into that. But I love how the Old Testament and the New Testament, they, they point to each other. 
which is why it's really cool to read the Old Testament and understand that, look, God was doing something even before Christ stepped on the scene, right? In the flesh. So it's just amazing to see. I'm excited to see what God is, is causing to stand out to you guys as we read about these cities. Erica says, a place of refuge sticks out to me. Come on, a place of refuge. Barb says, interesting, why this is not practiced in our country? In my town, there's usually retaliation between families. Yeah, yeah. And actually, it was likely that there was, that's why God had to set it up like this, right? Because it's human. It's human nature to, in a fallen world, to retaliate. So God knew that even before it happened. So he set up these cities um, of refuge for these people. Brandy says, verse two through six, I appreciate when God gives clear instructions. Yes, he's always very, you notice that? That is a characteristic of God. He is always very, very clear. If we feel unclear about something God is doing, now we might feel nervous about what he's doing. We might not understand what he's doing, but if we feel unclear about what he's doing, then we probably need to sit with him for a little while because he is always very clear. Now, does he give us all the pieces? No, but he's always very clear. Like when he told Abraham, he told Abraham to go to a city I will show you. Like he was clear, but it was like, but what's the city and and, and what are you going to do there? There's a lot of questions, but he was clear about what he's saying. Donita says, verse two through three, city of refuge for unintentionally killing. God's protection is standing out to me in this passage. And can we, mm, we're going to come back to that. Heather says, um, Heather says refuge, um, asylums. Yes, absolutely. Salia said the word refuge is standing out and unintentionally. Come on. Okay. Okay. We got to talk about this. Okay. Wait, hold on. I'm going to keep going. And then we're going to talk about something that's just kind of keep hitting my head as everybody keeps mentioning refuge and unintentionally. Lilith says, verse one through nine, protection for those who mistakenly do wrong. Come on. Jessica's holla Jessica says, hallelujah. Come on, Jessica. She said, a God of mercy. He provides a place of refuge. He didn't have to, but he loves us that much. Come on. Woo. Come on. Ah, I'm so excited. Brickell says, I just love how God shows his love for the people by delegating a place of refuge for people who accidentally kill someone. Latrice says, Psalms 91 comes to mind as soon as I hear or read refuge. Come on. Woo. CJ says, this chapter reminds me of how the Lord is a refuge for us whenever we go through difficult situations in our life. Donitas is verse nine, refuge while waiting to be placed before the assembly. Okay, okay, y'all, I got it. Man, this is so good. This is so good. Okay, let's look at the link of Jesus. Do you remember when Jesus Christ was on the cross? What did he say about the people down below? What did he say about the people down below? He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. Jesus Christ mirrors this idea of a refuge city. And so this is what we don't understand about what Jesus knows. So here we're looking at a person in the, in the refuge city. We're looking at a person who unintentionally, yep, everybody's typing it, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Forgive them for they don't know what they do. We're looking at a, a, 
we're looking at a a city that was designated for people who killed someone. Let's stop there. Hard stop. This they're looking at a city that's designated for people who killed someone. Did they do something wrong? Yes, they did. Did somebody die? Yes, somebody did die. Did a, is a family now hurting and in grief? Yes, a family is now grieving and hurting. So let's get that clear. They did it. They killed somebody. So this city is designed for people that did something wrong, but didn't know what they were doing. Didn't really do it like in their right mind on purpose. And it says in verse um, five, it says they did not hate him beforehand. They did not hate him beforehand. So when Jesus looked down on the people that were killing him, what did he recognize? What did he say? He says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. They're not doing this because they hate me. They're not doing this because they even understand who I am. They're not doing this because because they have all of the information and they're making a wise choice and, and they have everything and they know everything. They're not doing this because of that. They don't know what they're doing. They have no idea how the enemy is using them. They have no idea that the decision that they're making, that they think they're making on their own is actually a manipulation by the devil. And they have no idea who they have hung on the cross. So Jesus recognized that although they are killing me, they don't know why. They don't know how manipulated they are. They have no idea what they're doing. They don't hate me because they don't even know me. So Jesus recognized that. And then after his resurrection was willing Come on, we have to understand this. Was willing to be the refuge for the very people that put him there. So when we look at these cities of refuge, we can't say that the people didn't do wrong. That's not, that's not what we're arguing here. We can't say that the people didn't do wrong. We can say they didn't know what they were doing. And this is true, and I, I know it's hard, but this is true for most of humanity. Most of the time, we do something, and we aren't even fair, really clear about what we're doing. Have you ever, have you ever like argued with a person? Like you fussed them out because they did something you didn't like. But what you you didn't you didn't understand what they were going through. You didn't have the clear picture of their whole story. You didn't know everything they were going. Through. If you knew, you probably would have behaved differently. If you knew that the person that ran into you um, in the in the parking lot, their mother just died, and they were they were grieving from their child's death, and 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 they were they were going through so much, they lost their job, and they were just all frantic in your their mind. If you knew what they were going through, the likelihood of you getting out of your car and cursing them out would have been slim. How often do we do something? But we don't even fully understand why we're doing it. And Jesus recognized that about the people that were putting him on a cross. 
This is how this is how clear Jesus' vision was. This is how clear he recognized them as people who didn't know what they were doing. And you're looking like that, Jesus, there's no way. They knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah, they knew they nailed me to the cross. But they had no idea who was pulling the strings behind them. They had no idea that the enemy was manipulating them. They thought this was their own thought. They had no, they had no idea who I am. Just like they don't know who I am. They don't recognize that I am the very son of God. They have no idea. They don't know. And we see throughout scripture what God's character is towards those who really don't know. And the reality is most of us don't know. That's the reality. We think we know. They thought they knew when they were nailing him to the cross. They thought they knew. But Jesus recognized they have no idea. Because if they knew, and this is what Jesus recognized, if they knew, they wouldn't have done it. Think back to the person. Let's go back to that example of the person who runs into you in the parking lot and, and messes up your car. And you get out the car and you start fussing at them and you start telling them, what were you doing? You weren't even watching? Why weren't you watching? Why weren't you? Da, da, da? And you're going off. You're going off. But guess what? If you knew what that person had gone through before this moment, I can guarantee you wouldn't be fussing at them. You'd probably be hugging them. This is what Jesus recognized. He recognized the people are behind. They don't know who I am. <laughs> and the one thing he recognized was the devil. Let's be honest. The devil knows exactly what he's doing. The problem is the people don't often perceive him. The people don't often receive him. But the thing about it is Jesus recognizes that and is willing to not only, come on, is willing to not only recognize that they don't know, but is willing to then come back and be their refuge if they run to him. Because the thing about the cities of refuge, I can't make you go. I can't, the thing about it is I can't make you go to a city of refuge. You got to run. You better get out of there because whoever the avenger of blood is, is coming after your hind parts and is trying to prove you guilty. So you better get there. You better run. But when you get there, come on, there's a protection for you there. I'm not, the thing about it is Jesus is saying, I'm not going to pick up the city and move it to where you are, but I'm going to make it findable. I'm going to make it findable. Anastasia said, we even get mad at our kids when they make a mistake or fail to do the right thing. We do. But guess what? If we really understood what was going on in their minds, we wouldn't. How often have we said, oh, he's just disrespecting me. But is he? Is that really what's going on in his mind? Have we, do we know? Oftentimes we pop off at our kids. No, we have no idea. I don't know about y'all, 
But yet I was so convicted a couple days ago. I was so frustrated at my son because he, he's five years old and he keeps wet in the bed. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I cannot. Oh, and a part of me wanted to well up thinking he was doing it on purpose. I was like, oh my gosh, Zaya, stop wet in the bed. Like I'm just frustrated and I'm frustrated. And then I hear him talking to his sister. And his sister goes, Zaya, why do you keep wet in the bed? And he says, you know what? I can't feel it when it's coming out. I can't feel it. And then it comes out and it's all over me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I probably need to take this child to the doctor. He can't feel it when it's coming out. I had no idea. And the thing about it is, even though the, the, the problem is not that you didn't do wrong, because you did, right? It's, did you really know what you were doing? And Jesus recognizes that for most people, they don't. They don't. They don't know. It doesn't make you not guilty for doing it, but it means we're going to treat this a little bit differently. We're going to treat this a little bit differently. Let's see what you guys are talking about in the comments. Whoo, man. Latrice says the person wasn't guilty in their heart. Just guilty by their hand is why God provided refuge. Come on. We say this often, hurting people hurt people. A lot of times people are not clear-minded. We got to realize this. People aren't clear-minded and in their hurt and in their fear and in their thing, they do stuff. And for us as humans, it's very hard to draw that line. But for God, it's not that hard. He knows our heart. He knows the broken areas. He knows whether we were sober-minded when we did something or whether we were drunk off of pain. Like he, re he recognizes the difference. Was this person sober or was he drunk off of pain, right? Jesus recognized, did, this, did these people do this on purpose because they knew who I was? They were sober-minded or were they, were they just drunk off of what everybody else was saying and kind of fall in the crowd? Like God can see make the distinction between intentional and unintentional. And aren't we, I'm so glad he can see it because I'll be honest, I can't see it half the time. Sometimes I think people, God had to get on me because sometimes I would think people were doing me wrong and God had to say, they ain't even thinking about you. I mean, that hurt my pride a little bit. But I, I was like, God, this person is keep doing this to me and this person keep doing that and this person, da, 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 and I know they know and God had to be like, they ain't even thinking about you, Dominique. They're so drunk off their own pain. They can't even see you. And I'm like, but they hurting me. Yeah, I get it, but they're not, they not thinking about you. They're not thinking about you. They're thinking about all the pain and how you resemble all their pain from their past. They are so drunk on their own pain, they can't see you. They're not trying to hurt you. They're trying to not hurt themselves. They're trying to get rid of the pain in them. God had to do that to me so many times and be like, Dominique, they drunk on their pain. They can't think about a person that's drunk. They're stumbling through life. They can't, they can't see where they going. God says the same thing happens with pain. God says, I recognize. And he had to get me to a point. There was a, there was this one situation, man, oh man. It hurt me so bad, y'all. It hurt me so bad. I was taking care of somebody's child. 
that, that got dropped off to me. I mean, we took care of this child for almost a year without even hearing from their parent. And when the parent came back, oh man, she treated us like trash. It was horrible. She dogged us out, called the police on us, lied on us. So many things. I was so angry. How could she is all I was thinking. I put time and energy into this child, into this baby, and she is going to dog me out like this. I was hot. I was angry. I was ready to, oh man, talk about an Avenger of blood. I was like, look, I'm coming for you, sister. Look, I was mad. And God had to be like, she ain't thinking about you. What? She's not thinking about you. She doesn't even know who you really are, Dominique. She's in pain and she's drunk on it. It's clouding her vision and she can't see. It hurts, yes. Did somebody still die in the situation? Absolutely. But God is basically saying, hey, there's some people that are just so drunk on their own pain and fear. And you think they're doing it on purpose. This is what, this is what Christ could see. You think they're doing it on purpose. And God's like, but they're not. It doesn't mean it's okay. It doesn't make it not hurt you. But it just is how God operates. God's like, look, I operate differently when somebody is doing this intentionally. I see differently. Come on. And I handle the case differently. I see what you can't see. Janice said they didn't knowingly reject God outright. They thought they were defending God. Do you understand that? Jesus got this. They thought they were defending God from blasphemy. Romans were doing their job. They didn't know the whole story either. Jesus recognized this from the cross. Some of these people had nailed Jesus to the cross because they loved God. Do we understand that? Because they wanted to serve him and because they couldn't see. Jesus recognized that and then provided a refuge for them also. Donita said, my pastor was speaking about watching and praying and made this reference. Watch, watch yourself and how you respond. Pray equals continuously. Watch and pray. Come on. Donita said, I'm so glad to see the city of refuge passage this a.m. Come on. Hallelujah. Anastasia said, most times we do the wrong unknowingly. We hurt people unintentionally. And that's true of us, but that's also true of the people that hurt us oftentimes. I'm not saying always, right? I'm not saying always, but more often than not, more often than not. Latrice says, another read says, it typifies the relief which the gospel provides for poor penitent sinners, our protection from the curse of the law and the wrath of God and where we flee for refuge today is Jesus. Come on. And why can we flee to Jesus as a refuge? We have to understand the only, re we have to understand the concept of refuge. We flee because we got caught up in something 
And we like, oh shoot, I ain't even me. Oh my God, I just, oh, I, I wasn't in my right mind. Oh my goodness. Oh, like. Whew. We have to understand God has been talking about refuge for a while, right? Before Jesus stepped on the scene and he's been laying out what, who this city is designed for. And Jesus on that cross made it ever so clear that from our naked eye, we can't identify who's doing it intentionally or unintentionally. Because I'll be honest, if I was there, I would have looked at all them jokers that were standing at the cross and nailed Jesus on the cross. I would have looked at all of them as absolutely doing it intentionally. But when Jesus looked at them, he saw, they don't know. This is unintentional. They don't know what they're doing. He categorized people that were murdering him. He categorized the people that were murdering him as people who qualified for the city of refuge. Because he had that much clarity to see. They have no idea what they're doing. They're not doing this on purpose because they hate me. They don't know what they're doing. Hmm. That's why that line that Jesus said has so much power because you we realize in that very moment, he qualifies them as, as, as able to go to the city of refuge. And if he qualifies them, this is why people often say, God knows my heart. And he does. I don't want us to get too like comfortable with that. And he does. He can see, are they doing this intentionally? Are they drunk off of pain? Are they drunk off of fear? Have they been manipulated and conditioned for this behavior? Have they been groomed to do this? God sees all of that and can identify it even from a cross while in pain. Mm. My goodness. Jessica says this could be this could be when we also allow doubt to come in, not trusting the complete process, not knowing that he has it all under control. He is God and God alone, and he needs no help. And we have to realize that God understands something about humanity that we don't get. And he understands that there's a, a little bit of blindness that he deals with. Think about Abraham. Abraham had a whole Ishmael, doubted God so much so that he slept with his wife's maidservant in order to try to make a baby so that God would bless this baby. Because they were like, oh, no, God can't do it through my wife because she's barren, even though I kind of know that's who God wants to use. But this, this don't make no sense. Abraham did that, but yet still he's counted in the hall of faith. And God sees him as righteous. How? How, God? He did this wrong. He did, And this is the difference between God and humanity. God recognizes when someone just can't see and just don't know. 
understands that. He recognizes that. Come on, hallelujah. He recognizes that. This is what we this is why this is so powerful, this idea of city of refuge, because it doesn't take away the fact that you caused pain. But God deals with it different. God deals with it differently. Oh, praise God. Anastasia says she shared some tips about bedwetting in the Moms of Littles group. I got to check that out for my son. Oh, my goodness. Barb says yesterday a coworker got a call from school. He told the teacher to take him before nap and FaceTime. I suggested he get the story. What if the teacher is having a bad day? That's the reality of it. Now, the truth of the matter is there's still consequence, right? When you do something, there is still consequence. There's still somebody that's angry. There's still, but God is saying, I'm going to deal with this differently. I'm going to deal with this differently. Donita said, yes, drunk on their pain, stuck in their childhood, locked in their emotions. So many things that we can't see. God has often got me to the point where he's like, they can't see you. Yes, it hurts. Let me heal you because they can't see you. They can't see you. They're not doing this to you. I promise. God has gotten me so on this so many times. He says, they can't see you. They're drunk on their pain. As Donita says, stuck in their childhood, locked in their emotions. If they knew and truly understood, they wouldn't do it. Does it give it a pass? Does it stop it from hurting? No, but God is saying, I'm going to deal with them different though. Because they can't see you. Latrice says, yeah, I used to say it all the time at work when I worked customer service. Come on. She said, it's okay. Don't take it personally. They were mad before they called. How many times have we called a customer service place and got frustrated at the person on the other line just started fussing, 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 fussing. Look, we don't even know them. We don't even know who they are. This is what God is trying to get us to realize. There are people that are doing these things and they don't even know what they're doing. And this is how, this is why it's so powerful what Jesus said, because he, he causes our eyes to open to the fact that it could look blatantly wrong and they still not know. And they still qualify for a refuge city. Genesis, wow, that's what was happening with my ex-husband. That's what he meant when he said he wasn't thinking about me. Come on, not always that he perp, uh, not always that he purposely put me out of his mind. He was acting out of his pain. It doesn't make it okay or mean I should have stayed, but he wasn't intentionally out to hurt me. This is what we have to understand about a large amount of humanity, right? And this is what Jesus understood while he was on the cross. And this is why there are some people where we're like, uh-uh, I don't want that person. I have no grace, no mercy, no God. I want you to throw the book at them. And God is like, they didn't even know what they was doing. They were so drunk off pain. They weren't thinking about you. And I know that hurts because you're like, how could you not be thinking about me while you're hurting me? 
it's a plight of the humanity in the fallen world. We don't realize how, how much the enemy pulls the strings in our life. Come on, Liv says, I'm thinking about how the prophet Nathan had to tell a story to David for him to recognize his own sin. And then when he recognized his sin, he had to repent, right? This is what God realizes about humanity. They don't know what they're doing. They think they're big and bad. They think they're making all these decisions on their own, but they don't know how manipulated they're being. They don't know that the enemy has been working on them ever since a child so that their reactions will be irrational all the time. They have no idea. A lot of us, let's just be honest. It's easy to see this in other people, but God's like, see it in yourself. Why do you, why do you argue with your husband? What does it solve? Does it ever solve the problem? No. So why do you do it? because I've seen my parents do it and because I, I've seen TV do it and because, you know, I've learned that when you get upset, you raise your voice and, and God's like, yeah, you've been conditioned. You don't even know what you're doing. You don't even realize how much the devil has pulled strings in your life. But when you do realize Stand up against it, do something different. But God is just showing me, like, he's like, look at yourself. Have you ever fussed at your husband, fussed at someone you loved and said some really mean things? And then at the end, you're like, oh my gosh, why did I say that? I just wish I could take it back. That's not what I meant. And the person's like, nah, you said what you meant. And you're like, no, no, I don't even know why I said that. Why did I say that? God is like, that's what the cities of refuge are for. When we get to the point where we understand how compromised we really are, how much our actions have been like puppets. The enemy is using us as puppets. God sees it. We don't. We often don't see it in ourselves or in others. And God's like, it's okay. I've got a city. I've got a Jesus for you. I've got a Jesus for you. Come on. Where you can run to him. And, and trust me, your case will be looked at differently. Because crisis, because I, I see you and I see how you don't see. And then the, now, the beautiful thing about Christ is that when we run to him, he starts to help us fix our own vision. And this is a daily process. This doesn't happen overnight, but he helps us to fix our own vision. And this is why the concept of the city of refuge and then us seeing what Jesus Christ does on, does on the cross is absolutely amazing because it helps us to recognize that this is a condition of humanity. 
right? So in, in this fallen world specifically. So Jesus recognizes that, hey, humanity has been compromised by the devil. What did the scriptures say? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers in high places. Jesus recognized, he says, Jesus, I can see the enemy. And it ain't you. For me, this, and this is why we're like, Jesus, how could you, how could you be so grace filled about around people that have done wrong and these people that have done wrong and they're coming to you and they're giving their lives to you. And why did you, why did you give them so much grace? And, and Jesus Christ, we have to realize Jesus Christ, like I can see who the enemy is. I can see who's doing this on purpose. I can see who's pulling the strings. I can see who's manipulating the situation. And it's not you. But at the same time, I want you to get your life unintertwined with the devil. There's a scripture in Psalms that's often taken way out of context. And it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The desires of your heart. In this scripture, it said, it's that word delight in the original language basically means to wrap yourself around, to wrap yourself, intertwine yourself with God. So he says, intertwine yourself with me and I will give you, I will give you your desire. If you intertwine yourself with someone who is your desire, your desire is that person, correct? So if you wrap yourself all up in me, I will give you me. This is God is showing us that we have to unravel ourselves from the devil and wrap ourselves around God. He recognizes what's happening with humanity he sees. He knows. And he's provided a place for us. But he also doesn't want us to stay stuck. Believing the devil's lies and fighting the devil's battles. Donnie said, Jesus identified this while in pain. How am I responding to those who don't know what they are doing to me while I'm in pain? They're inflicting pain and they have no idea. Oh, wow. Thanks for the super chat. It's so cool that we could even receive those at this point. That's really neat. Latrice says, it makes me think of Cain and Abel. Why did Cain kill Abel? Why did Cain kill Abel? He didn't, he didn't hate Abel. He was just mad and jealous. He wanted God's attention. Abel was getting God's attention. So God put a seal on, on Cain and said, nobody can kill you. That was probably the first situation of refuge that we see in the scriptures was Cain. Did he just he put it he he put a seal on Cain and basically said nobody can can kill you. 
because Kane was so nervous. He was like, I'm going to go out here and people are going to kill me and it's going to happen. And he's like, nope. God sees it different. We have to realize that. Rejoice in that. And live like we know that. Live like we understand that, hey, there's more to this story than what my eyes can see. Am I looking at this through the through God's lens? Mm. I'm going to read some of these comments. They're so good. They're so good. Ms. Gardner says, I used to work at call center and dealt with that behavior a lot from others. Right? They ain't mad at me. They don't even know me. Do you know how many people walk around angry, snapping off on everybody? I was one of them. Are you really mad at the person that you don't even know them? And, the, and I love how Natisha, uh, uh, now Nisha says the spectrum cable gets me going. But the reality is, guys, like it's not spectrum cable. Oftentimes it's when any, anybody makes you feel out of control. When anybody makes you feel like. Like they're they're wronging you and there's nothing you can do about it. Right? When anybody makes you feel like they're wronging you and there's nothing you can do about it, then what happens? Then I backlash. Why? Is it because of spectrum cable? No. The likelihood is it's because of abuse from a lot of places. And it's spilling out everywhere on the spectrum cable people on the Verizon folks on 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 your neighbor it's just spilling out because you never realize that behind you and this is the reality it sounds crazy but it's the reality that Jesus recognized you never realize that behind you the devil has been conditioning you to be irrational and to be sitting in pain. He's condi- the, the job was to condition me as well. To question God. We look at this from the very beginning. And we look at this. What did God say to Cain? What did, remember what God said to Cain? He said, let me go. Let me go. Let me find it. Let me go and find it. Cain, here we go. Genesis chapter four, verse six. It says, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you furious? Because Cain was so angry that Abel's offering got accepted, but not his. He says, then the Lord said, Cain, why are you furious? What is he trying to do? Call him back to reality, Cain. Cain, he says, why are you furious? And why do you look despondent? Verse seven, if you do what is right, won't you be accepted? Super simple. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. This is what Jesus is saying. There's something on the outside called sin that is going to try to take opportunity, Cain. And I need you to stand against it. I realize, Cain, it's not you. It's sin. But if you don't stand against it, it's going to take its opportunity in your life. You realize that God didn't say, 
Cain, your, your messed up mind, your messed up mind is going to make you do something and your messed up this is going to, and the fact that you're just so messed up, Cain. No, no, no. God says, God says this, but he says sin is crouching at the door. He didn't say you're horrible. You got a, a wretched mind. You just horrible person. He says sin. He's like, Cain, I see what you can't see. Right next to you, sin is crouching. I see the enemy. Cain, you can't see the enemy. You're so worked up in your anger, Cain. Come on. God is saying you're furious, Cain. But if you stay in this place, there's good. There's sin right here. And it's waiting to take you. It's not you, Cain. It's not you. This is what God is saying. It's not you. It's not you. But this sin is going to take its opportunity. You've got to stand against it because it ain't you. But guess what happened? Cain did not heed the warning. And guess what happened? Sin took over. And this is what, what God recognized. It wasn't Cain. It was the sin that was crouching and waiting. What we often think is that the sin has been built in us, but we don't realize that the sin has been built outside of us. And when we give it an opportunity to come in us, that's when the problems happen. But God still says, it's not you. It's the sin. I need you to stand against the sin. The sin does not come from within you. The sin comes from the kingdom of darkness. God understands who's doing this on purpose. Jesus Christ recognized from the cross who's doing this on purpose. Come on. I believe it was Paul that recognized, hey, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers and high places. He recognized, look, it's not you. It's the sin that has been created in the kingdom of darkness. But if you let it in, it'll cause you to do stuff that you wouldn't do if you weren't drunk on it. I love how people are typing in anger, but not. look, God wasn't mad that he was furious, but he understood your anger is irrational. This is what God is saying. Your anger is not rational right now. An irrational anger will have you partner with sin. Because God's saying your anger makes no sense. If you do right, it'll come. Like, look, there's no reason to be angry. Just do better next time. What did Cain do that was so wrong? If you look very closely at what happened, it's as Abel gave his first and Cain gave something in the process of time. Cain didn't give his first to God. Really super simple. I mean, you can look at it. He didn't, he gave something in the process of time. Once he like decided, oh, okay, I want this. I'll give God this. And God was like, nah, I'm not taking your sloppy seconds. Pretty much. And God's like, there's no need to be angry. This is irrational. Irrational anger will have you caught up. And then sin is going to take control of you and you're going to end up doing something that you weren't even thinking. But then we see that God, what he does with Cain 
He says, if you work the ground, it will never again give you its give you its yield. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth, right? But then Cain says in verse 13, he, he cries out to the Lord. He says, my punishment is too great to bear since you are banishing me today from the face of the earth and I must hide from your presence and become a restless wanderer on the earth. Whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord replied to them, in that case, whoever kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. And he placed a mark on Cain so that whoever found him would not kill him. Then Cain went out from the from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Oftentimes we don't realize that God sending people out from his presence was actually a sign of his grace and mercy because he knew that they couldn't live in his presence with that kind of filth. So it was grace and mercy in and of itself. There's so much here. I mean, I know that the chapter we read was so short, but the idea of the city of refuge, the idea of refuge and God being able to draw a distinction between people who are doing this intentionally and not intentionally, this has started since the very beginning. God is really good about seeing the line. We're not sometimes, but God is. God is. God is. God is. God knows. He understands. He understands. The city of refuge is there for a reason. Christ came for a reason. Look, Christ didn't come to provide refuge because we knew we were abusing God. God sent Christ because humanity didn't even realize what was happening to them. And who was trying to control them from behind? God sees when he says, when the scriptures say we wrestle not against flesh and blood, God sees that. He sees the powers and the principalities and the rulers and high places behind everything that we're doing. God sees it. And I believe that today he's bringing us to it because he's like, open your eyes. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. What you're doing is irrational. You're drunk on pain. You got to open your eyes and see. Because what, what did he say again? Because sin is crouching. And it wants to take over you and make you do stupid stuff. Loneliness. Come on, let's be real. Open your eyes because you're lonely. Sin is crouching and waiting for that loneliness to get oh so overwhelming so it can come and take over you so that it can cause you to do stuff that you that, that is against God. And after you do it, you're going to be so sad about it. And God is saying, look, open your eyes because it's not you. Drunk off loneliness, drunk off pain, drunk off whatever. 
Romans says, Ephesians 4, 27, do not give, do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you in sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. I believe that God is warning us today. Look, all this stuff you feel like you got to do to have the life you want. Oh, I got to, I got to stand up. I got to show them they ain't going to talk to me like that. He's saying it's going to ruin your life. I have a refuge area for you, but I need you to stop succumbing to this because it's not you. It is the devil. God's like, I can see him. I need you to recognize. Come on. Anastasia said, if I can't get over my anger by myself, which often we can't, ask God to help me. I tell God I'm struggling with anger and I need help before I say or do something I will regret or be sorry for. Come on. That is how you fight. When God told Cain, your anger is out of control, Cain didn't say, help me, Lord. Cain was like, Psh, I got this. No, you don't. You don't got it. God's like, I'm trying to show you that there is an enemy that I see and recognize that you don't see. You don't see him. But he's wreaking havoc in your life, getting you to fuss at fuss at random customer service people, getting you to pop off whenever your husband don't take out the trash. God says, it, look, it's not you. You have to recognize you got a, an enemy. I see it. Jesus saw it when the people were nailing him to the cross. He saw it. He knew who the enemy was. Come on, hallelujah. Demetrius says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires, James 1, 19 through 20. Come on. Oh, Latrice brings this up. Oh, I know we got to go, but this is good. She talked about the city of refuge. Come on. We got to look at the pattern of how the city works. They could not just run and hide. They had to declare their case. We have to confess our sin, right? They have to declare their case. They have to say, look, I did this. I did. I did this. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that this was the problem. Ah, like they had to share their case. To be, to be let in. This was not an entitlement thing. You got to let me in because, you know, I accidentally killed brother man. So move out the way. No, no, no. This was a re recognition of like, oh my goodness, I did something very, very wrong. But I promise you, like, I was not trying to like ha do this. I just, I don't know what happened. I just did it. And I'm so sorry. Please help me. That's what the refuge city was all about. And that's exactly how it works with Jesus. We have to recognize what Jesus saw on the cross and we're not going to do it as perfectly as him, but, but like open our eyes, right? Open our eyes.
most of the people that we hurt in our lives or most of the people that hurt us, they're actually just like us. I know that's hard to imagine because we typically tend to think of ourselves as pretty decent people. But we tend to forget how we fuss out the the customer service person or how we lose our cool when our husband doesn't take out the trash or how we, you know, just pop off and just lose it when we feel like somebody has done us wrong or whatever. We, but, but we wouldn't necessarily consider ourselves criminals or like intentionally malicious or intentionally harmful, right? But the, the reality is humanity is this way. Do you remember the parable about the servant who got forgiven from his master? So he owed his master money. But he was in such a spot where he couldn't really pay back the money. And Jesus was telling his parable. He couldn't really pay back the money that he owed his master, that he owed, owed his employer. He couldn't pay it back. And he apologized. And he said, look, I, I, I'll try my hardest. I'll try to get it back. Da, 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 da. And he apologized. He realized that he couldn't really pay it back in that moment, but he was going to try whatever. And, he, you know, stuff, stuff had gone wrong or whatever. He just couldn't. And the master forgave him of all the debt, all of it. And then the next day, that same servant found a fellow servant who owed him money, less, far less money than the ma- than he owed the master, far less. But this other servant owed him money. And he took that servant by the, by the coat and said, you better give me back all the money you owe me. You hear me? You hear me? You better give me back the money. And the guy's like, I, I can't. I'm so sorry. I can't give it back. He said the same thing that that servant said to the master. And so what did this servant do to the other servant? He threw him in jail and said, you better give me back everything. And until you give me back everything, you're going to rot in here. You understand? And and God has shown us, y'all the same. Y'all the same. You owed the servant, you owed the master money, and this, this servant owed you money. You the same. So so how do you want a refuge? And, and you won't offer one to anybody else because you're the same. Y'all both unintentionally doing stuff mismanaging your money, getting caught up. This devil is pulling all these strings. Sin is crouching at your door. All the same stuff's happening. God is saying, my refuge is available for you and available for them. Because I recognize that neither one of you, although it hurts those that you are doing this to, you're not doing it intentionally. And, and it and it's it's, It's a hard concept, but Jesus recognized it in the cross. Being drunk on pain, being drunk on fear, being drunk on all these things, it will cloud your vision. But there is a refuge available for you and for them. Don't block somebody else from getting to the refuge that's available to them through Christ because you're mad. 
We about to go. Come on, Celia says, I tell my team at work, don't look at the person, but the spirit behind the person. If you're going to get mad at somebody, if you're going to get mad at somebody, get mad at the devil. Your wrestle is not against flesh and blood. It's not. And what we don't understand about how the devil works is that he becomes the avenger of blood. This is why he's so crooked. We see this throughout scripture. And, I'm, and I know we talk that I don't typically talk a lot about the devil, but this is what God wants to see. This is what he does. <laughs> they, they call him the accuser of the brethren. Why? Because he, because he causes you to sin. Like he leaves the sin out there and he tries to get you caught up. And then when you sin, he says, he did it. He did it. Kill him. Kill him. Take him out. It was him. He did it. He did it. So we don't understand he's playing both sides. He becomes the one that, that causes the sin, but he also becomes the avenger of blood. So, so when, when, so God recognizes all of this. He also becomes the avenger of blood. What was the whole concept? What was the enemy's whole concept behind Job? It was like, hey, if I cause enough stuff to happen to Job's life, he will renounce God. And then I will have claim over this man to be able to say he is worthy of death, damnation, and hellfire. So we have to understand when Jesus came as a refuge, he was coming up against the enemy's whole strategy that he's been using throughout the scriptures and throughout time. But the problem goes, Ooh, we're going to say this real quick and we're going to go. The problem is when we, Jesus says, I have refuge for you. Go in the refuge. A lot of times we step out of the refuge and we'd be like, I did do it. Just take me avenger of blood. Just, just beat me up. This is what I deserve anyway. And Jesus is like, you better get back in here. <laughs> get back in the city of refuge. Stop doing all that. But I did. I did it. Let me just step out of the refuge city and just, it was just, just. And Jesus says, you have to understand that I recognized what happened from the beginning. That's why I'm putting in this place of refuge for you. But you got to trust me and stay in the city. It said that they, look, get this, they could stay in the city until the high priest dies. But guess what? We serve a high priest that, that doesn't die. It said that they could stay in the city of refuge until the high priest of that time dies. What does that mean for us? That the refuge city has now become our home. 
that we are protected. Do we see what God set up for us from the beginning? Because he recognized that, look, the devil is crouching at their door. Trying to devour them and cause them to do wrong. It's not them, it's him. And God sees that and God has provided a way. But like Latrice says, when I get to that refuge place, I declare that, yes, I have sinned. But Lord, I don't want to do it anymore. I, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't even know how, why I did it. I'm so sorry. Please help me. And then it says that the, the priest lets you in. And then when the avenger of blood, come on, can we get this? When the avenger of blood comes to that city, knocking on the gate saying, give me that person because they did wrong. Then the priest comes out and says, they, no, you can't have them. They're protected here. When the devil comes knocking and says, but didn't you see what they did to this person and that person? And God says, look. You can't have them here. This, the connection between the cities of refuge and Jesus is absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And I pray that we truly are grateful for what Jesus Christ has done for us. If we get nothing else out of today, I pray that we recognize what Jesus has done. And I pray that we also recognize that the devil wants to pull your strings, cut the strings. Lord, help me cut these strings. Recognize this ain't you. This ain't you, sis. This ain't you sleeping up in everybody's bed, but yet feeling super guilty afterwards and feeling dirty and like trash afterwards. That ain't you. Somebody's pulling them strings. Lord, help me cut the strings. Yelling and screaming at everybody in your family because you have this oversensitive fight or flight reflex because you've been hurt before and you feel super guilty for constantly for constantly yelling and screaming and cursing. Cut the strings. It's time to cut the strings. So I pray that we, we hear those two messages today. God is good, y'all. Bailey says, don't hold on to the shame. That's the devil's playground. And he can wreak havoc with shame. He can wreak havoc with shame. Lord, help us cut the strings. God gave Cain a warning, and I believe he's given us a warning too. Hey, that loneliness, we got to deal with that. That anger, we've got to deal with that. Because if we don't, 
that trauma we got to deal with that because if we don't, there's this little thing called sin that's crouching, trying to take over. We have to realize that even though the people that came to the city of refuge, they got refuge, but you got to remember, they didn't mean to do it. So you got to think about what that does to your mind. It's like, oh my God, I killed a man. Like just trying to purge and, and cleanse yourself from just the, all that guilt, that shame, that all that stuff. God is trying to get us before we have to wrestle with all that. Before. We got to go. Y'all, how is it possible that that little bitty chapter, I was like, God, what are we, what are we going to talk about? This is like a little chapter for us. Like we read long chapters, a little bitty. Isn't it amazing how this little bitty chapter and people typing in different things. Cause I was like, I don't know what we're going to talk about. And then people talking about this and then the tree type this. I need to type this. And people just type, 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 type. God is amazing. I love God. God is amazing. Let's pray. Absolutely amazing. God, you are amazing. How do you do this every day? Every day? God, you are amazing. And thank you. Thank you, God, for seeing, for seeing us. Thank you, God, for not not abandoning us for seeing. Thank you, God, for seeing the devil. Thank you, God, for seeing it all. Thank you, God, that even when I'm drunk on pain, you are sober. I mean, you've had generations of pain inflicted on you by humanity. Yeah, we may not have done it on purpose, but I'm sure it still hurts you. But yet you still look at us sober and you still see what actually is happening. And Lord, we thank you. And we ask you, Lord, to help us. Our desire is not to be controlled by the devil. Our desire, God, is not to succumb to the sin that he places at our door. But to cut the strings, God, help us cut the strings and instead let us wrap ourselves around you. Help us, God. We need your help. We're grateful for your refuge. And we desire, God, your help. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 I love you guys. I pray that you have an absolutely amazing Tuesday. And that God continues to cultivate whatever he started in you today. And can I just say, if you are not a part of the Faith Mamas Tribe app, please join us. I would love to continue building this relationship and sisterhood with you. And please um, invite a friend. Look, the app is free. Why is the app free? Because people donate. Look, the donations that came in today from Super Chat, the donations people send through PayPal, those go to help make all this stuff free. Like, 
It's amazing. So come join the app. Let's encourage one another while we're in this season. I don't know how long Mornings with Jesus will be going on and I don't know how long the app will be available. I don't know. I'm just out here following God. We all are, all the team and everybody. But while it's here, let's connect, right? Come on, Genesis, Lord. Come on, this is so powerful. I will no longer be a marionette to my pain. I choose forgiveness and cut the strings. I'm free. Hallelujah. Join us in the app. I would love to see you there. And we will be back here, Lord willing, tomorrow to dig in, um, to dig into Joshua chapter 21. I look forward to seeing you guys there in the app. And tomorrow, feel free to invite a friend. And if you're watching this on the replay and God is putting it on your heart to join us live, please join us. We would love to see you in the mornings. Brickell, we're keeping your friends Jack and Linda, Lydia in your prayer. Ah, she said the devil's trying to make them feel worthless. Yeah. Father God, we just pray, Lord God, for Jack and Lydia. Lord God, we pray that you draw them to you, that you show them what you see, God. That you show them your perspective of the whole matter. And that you show them who they are in you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. And I'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye for now.